down this Well, yeah, well, I cut the, I cut the beginning and I cut the end, and I try not to do anything in between because it just take yeah. up, takes up too much time. Yeah. All right? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, here we go. Another episode of TNT Weekly, and I'm here at the Mecca, the heart of arts and culture in our community, the Gibson Center. I want to thank them very much for allowing TNT Weekly to host here. Um, and, uh, you know, look into their programs and events for uh, planning, uh, anything you'd like. They have some really great packages, all COVID-friendly. And uh, I know they're looking into streaming and, and doing some wonderful things here to uh, work in parallel with what's happening out there with COVID and stay safe and everything. So remember, without arts and culture in our community, the community is just eh. It's just, eh, eh, eh. That's agree. Beautiful building. Beautiful. Really, really happy today because this gentleman, uh, just over the weekend, I was thinking about, you know, how we're getting into the second wave, COVID, um, you know, and, and, and I'm sure everybody's stress levels are up there. And I reached out to, to this gentleman and immediately he said, I'd love to help you out, Tony, and see if we can, you know, better inform the public. And I wanted to try to get some sort of information out there with this podcast and uh, uh he's given me his time really really happy to have on the show the chief of er at the stevenson memorial hospital dr matt Myatt. how you doing how you doing good thanks, thanks for having me on really appreciate it oh you're really really super welcome thank you for your time and everything my pleasure um you know i know where i want to direct the podcast but first like i do with all my guests um you know for those of you that know you as a physician I mean, can you sort of give us a little sort of brief summary on, on, you know, your schooling, where you grew up, and really at the end of the day, what drew you to Alliston? Oh boy. Yeah, so, so actually I grew up in Owen Sound, Ontario, just about an hour and 15 or an hour and a half from here, northwest, uh, in a small town um, called Leith, actually, is where I, where I grew up. It's just outside of Owen Sound. Went to high school in Owen Sound, and then... Moved to Toronto to do human biology. At that point, I was pretty sure I wanted to go into medicine. Mm -hmm. So, so I did that. And then, uh, you know, it's a really competitive thing to do to get into medicine. And and coming from a small town, moving to a big city, uh, made a couple of, uh, you know, mistakes, I would say, a freshman year thing. So I went to, I had the opportunity to do a dual degree, which is a master's in public health and an MD degree after my four years of undergrad and I went to Grenada West Indies and I and I did a this dual degree there and then I came back and did my residency in family medicine at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine in Sudbury the reason why I went to Sudbury was because I, it felt so much like home mm-hmm. uh, it's a bit smaller town it, it's not uh, it's not big city it didn't have that big city feel so yeah. so that's why I went there and then uh, my last rotation of my very last year I came here and I rotated with Dr. Oswaldo Ramirez, who still was the chief of ER at the time and still works there. Uh, subsequently, was the chief of staff uh, and still works, still works, you know, a lot yeah. in, in the emergency department and in the community. So, so uh, they were so welcoming. And at the time, there was a recruiter named Kate Mui who was instrumental oh, in uh, yeah. in recruiting so many of us physicians at the time. Started around the same time as a couple of other physicians, Dr. Khalil and Dr. Safar. So we really felt welcomed and 
really appreciate the town for for sort of taking us in. Yeah, right. and uh, and it, and it's been great so far. Wonderful. And um, you know, when I first met you, I mean, you were really focusing, you know, quite a bit on on family practice, right? And and your patients and your rostering and and from my understanding and and, and knowing you a bit uh, and and um, you know your associates that you know the world of the hospital and working in the hospital and in ER is much different than family practice. I mean, and now here you are, chief of ER. So, you know, what motivated you to stay in the hospital environment versus family practice? Because I understand it's really difficult to do both. Uh, you know, you're working 24-7 already, right? Mm, it is really difficult to do both. Uh, I moved into the hospital. Actually, I never wanted to do ER, to be honest, but Dr. Ramirez was insistent, said I had what it took to do ER, so so that sort of allowed me to, to stay in the ER. Yeah. And then really it was based on community need. I mean, Dr. Ramirez was moving to chief of staff and the ER needed somebody who I felt needed somebody anyway, was local, mm-hmm. and who really cared about the community and, and, and I was kind of next in line. And so I applied for the position and, and interviewed and, and it was a su- successful applicant. Wonderful. Um, Moving forward into the hospital environment and maintaining that subject, you know, I know that the community and the hospital has had um, initiatives to expand the hospital. And, uh, you know, Jody Levesque and his executive team have been very, very supportive and aggressive on on getting funding and pushing that forward. Uh, The community has supported it well. Um, But, you know, I understand at the end of the day, it's a government decision at the end of the day. But I know we're getting closer. I know you probably don't have the answer. Um, but, uh, you know, it's something I know the community's looking forward to. Do you see that coming to fruition in the near future, Matt? Your near future? I'm no. not sure. Yeah. But, but it, it has to happen, uh, you know, sometime soon because we're just running out of space and the community's growing so quickly. You're absolutely right. Jody Levac and his executive team have been champions of redevelopment. In fact, that's, I wouldn't say it's Jody Levac's sole focus, but probably his main focus was is getting this redevelopment. Mm-hmm. It's been on the radar since 2011, at least when I came here. Yeah. We've been having meetings about this and submissions and, and um, it's been challenging uh, to, to, to move forward because we know we need it. We know this community deserves it. It's our turn, essentially, to get to get this redevelopment. When it's going to happen, it's impossible to say. Um, You know, with COVID, everything sort of slowed down again. Uh, I do know that um, stage one has been accepted. That was recently announced in the news, and that's that's a big deal. Uh, Once you get past sort of stage one and stage two, things supposedly start to flow quickly, but we really have no idea. I wouldn't want to give a timeline because I don't know, but what I'm hoping for is 2025, 2026. Could be longer, could be sooner. Yeah, less. Mm-hmm. And, and that focus on redevelopment for our listeners or, or new residents into the community is mostly on the expansion of the Emerge, right? Or is it an expansion of rooms as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, do, you, do you have sort of any outline on on the expansion plans? Yeah, it is a lot of updates. Uh, We do have tentative blueprints that you have to submit, of course, to the government. They may change. Uh, There is a big expansion of the emergency department. Right now, our eMERGE was built 
for 7,000 visits. Yeah. I, I want to say it's about 4,500 square feet. And last year we saw 38,000 some odd visits. 7,000 a year? Yeah. And, and last year we saw 38,000 visits. So Wow. Yeah. So really, you know, we're really maximizing the space. We're a very lean organization and we're really trying to, to develop the emergency department specifically. But it also does include some expansion of rooms. You may have heard that we're getting uh, a level two ICU, which we didn't have before, so that people who require a certain level of critical care can get care co close to home rather than being shipped down to the city. Yeah, right. So well, wonderful news. We uh, we pray and we hope. Uh, you know, I believe it'll happen. The community has always pulled through, but we know during COVID it's probably slowed down a bit. But uh, I think the initiatives are there, and it's going to happen. Yeah, the community support has been. I would say unwavering from my point of view. Yeah. Uh, everybody who has been in the eMERGE department or in the hospital knows we need a redevelopment. I mean, even Kathleen Wynne, uh, her son was in and he was born in the in the OR suite oh, and commented on the color of the tile, which was from 64. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so... So everybody knows we need a redevelopment yeah. and, and you know this community really deserves a redevelopment and I would commend Jody for his unwavering sort of push on that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, he really is uh, leading the charge and, and, you know, grabbing the steering wheel and leading the bus on this one. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, so on the factor of COVID and, you know, possible delays, we'll stay on that, that subject. Uh, it's on everyone's mind. Um, you know, we probably in this podcast, we're not going to have all the answers, but it's impossible. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, it's one of these topics that uh, changes rapidly, etc. But we hope that we can, you know, put out some information and, and some good vibes out there. And and in starting with COVID and, and your expertise on the virus, obviously very similar symptoms to the flu bug that's coming into season now. Yeah. Um, but you know, how can you separate the two and, and, you know, what is the COVID virus and what does it do uh, to you in, in differentiating it from the flu? Yeah, that's a really very difficult question to answer because we don't have all the answers about COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have some answers about the flu because it's been around since you know, 1918 or even before that, I'm sure, and they've been studying it, but COVID is relatively new. So we're having trouble differentiating between the flu, uh, regular cold virus even, mm -hmm. and uh, COVID. And in fact, just having guidelines for testing is changing so quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it's changing because of the overwhelming number of people getting tested and the backlog in the lab, or whether or not they're actually finding out new information is, is difficult to ascertain. That being said, what we do know is that both the flu and COVID can be deadly under the right circumstance. You can be uh, a, an elderly gentleman and get COVID or get the flu and you can recover fully or you can pass away. It's really very difficult to know who is going to. That being said, Really, if you are a younger, healthy person, uh, you would have a, a better chance of, of you know, immunity mm -hmm. uh, or fighting off the virus in some way mm -hmm. than if you are an immunocompromised or elderly person. 
Um, which brings me to my next point, and I've mentioned this uh, on, on very many podcasts, that, you know, with the frenzy and the anxiety and, and you know, the way the news travels around the Internet, we're all available to this news and yeah. putting everybody in a stir frenzy. And, uh, you know, what can it, it, there, there has to be ways to better defend from COVID. And I've always focused on improving your health. Mm. Um, everything from improving your immune system, whether that's through nutrition, physical fitness, uh, whatever that may be, vitamin supplements, etc. Um, and, you know, I understand people with underlying health issues may be more at risk, but what can you do individually to say, and, and I put it this way, okay, I know it's coming, I know it's around me, what can I do? What are the, some of the measures I can do to be stronger? I may get it. I may not be able to fight it off, but I just want to improve the odds. Is that a good scenario, Dr. Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the two best things you can do are wash your hands and wear a mask to prevent both transmitting and, and having it yourself. Uh, that's how we've not had any positive cases in the hospital as yet to my knowledge mm -hmm. uh, because we wear masks and I mean, I... I'm surprised they still have hands on me uh, from all the hand washing. But in terms of improving one's overall health, I mean, it's not just about going to the gym uh, or going at home, <laughs> as the case may be, or, or eating healthy. It's, it's sort of a constellation of things. I mean, a lot of it will start from up here and, and, and gaining some mental strength and, and talking to people and communicating and reaching out. And fortunately, we live in a time where we're able to talk to each other on Zoom. Uh, we're able to reach out to family via the internet, uh, whereas, you know, 40 years ago, we didn't have this kind of thing. So it sort of starts there. And then, and then, and then gaining the physical strength, I agree with you, uh, would, be, would be sort of next in line. Certainly eating healthy and exercise, diet and exercise are, are of the ultimate importance in, in, in health. And I encourage you to uh, speak with your doctors, uh, your family doctors or your nurse practitioners or your primary care provider uh, in, in, in finding the right sort of fit for you. In order to improve your immune yeah. system the, yeah. best, the best way you can. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Okay, wonderful. And you did, you did mention about the hygiene and the wearing of masks. I think the community now has evolved into that. Uh, it's a, I, I don't think it'll change. Even if COVID does get a vaccine and we're all cleared, I still think I'm going to sanitize right. my hands Absolutely. everywhere. Right. The mask may come off, but I think that area of hygiene, I think everybody is just so focused on it more now than ever before. So I think that pattern's not going to change. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it's, it's paramount. I mean, we sort of used to just make sure you wash your hands after you uh, go to the washroom, but now it's just make sure you wash your hands after you touch anything. Absolutely. And everyone seems to have sanitizers in their in their bags. Yeah, and in their cars everywhere, yep. right? Yeah. Um, so, th are you are you informed on 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 the transmission methods of COVID? Is it is it all through the air, airborne? Is it mostly touch? Uh, uh, is it both? Um, what 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 is the feedback and knowledge you're getting back from uh, Health Canada on on what sort of our the ways that you can easily contact or get contract COVID. So, so it's mostly by droplet, actually. So when we release droplets into the air or onto a surface and the next person touches it and touches their mouths 
or directly on to people. That's that's mostly how it's transmitted. No doubt there's other means of transmission on, on what they call fulmites or, or things. Um, and then probably airborne does play some role, but for the most part, they think it's, or we think it's droplet transmission. And that's why we encourage everyone to wear a mask because it really helps stop you from spreading. And the wipe down spreading. and, and mm-hmm. everything, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Do you have any knowledge of, of, of how long COVID can survive on a surface or, or anything to that matter? Is it? Uh, I, it varies on the surface, actually. So I heard that, you know, lately they've been saying it can last three hours. It can last 24 hours. It depends on who's touched the surface, what chemicals you're using on the surface, where it is. Is there wind? Is there sunlight? Um, so, so it's really, really sort of hard. So to with say. this uncertainty, again, hygiene. Yep. Clean uh wipe your hands wipe down surfaces you got it wear your mask mm-hmm. um and stay in your bubble yeah well actually the government has now scrapped the social bubble thing and they're saying you know just immediate family only which is awful for this upcoming thanksgiving weekend even oh, for right. ourselves yeah um but uh but you know that's what the they're recommending to do to stay, to well, stay safe. Well, um, and, you know, I can also, you know, see an upcoming dilemma coming up now with, you know, and people are starting to talk about it and, and it's happening now with, you know, children going back to school, etc. the upcoming flu season. And it happens every year when my son goes to school, mm-hmm. he brings it back, a yep. flu or symptom. Uh, um, I mean, I can just imagine what's going on now with families and people uh, going to work, their children come back with sniffles, the policy of the school. Yes. Um, and, and workplaces. And in workplaces, workplaces et cetera. Yeah. It's, it's pretty well, it sounds like it's impossible to differentiate the symptoms to say, oh, this is COVID related versus this is flu related. But I'm going to let you tell the audience, is there any difference with these symptoms that you can sort of self-assess and say, oh, I, I think I have the flu. It's only sniffles. It's so hard, I yeah, would imagine. Yeah, there really isn't something that would be definitive. Uh, if, you, if you, for example, came into to the ER or into my office and said, hey, I've got a runny nose. Can you write me a note that says this is not COVID? This is just the cold. The answer is no, I cannot write a note that says that you don't have COVID. Um, it's unless you have a positive test, it's even then you can have COVID and a cold. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hit or miss really, unfortunately. In fact, in my own, my own life, my, my son was tested last Wednesday and we still don't have any results. So Mm. I don't have any people are wondering if we have any pulled strings or quick responses happening to everybody. the answer is no no we, this, we don't have an answer and he's been in his room for six days and um you know i haven't been near him i've yeah. been sleeping in the basement and you know this kind of stuff so yeah yeah so the challenges are with every family everyone, every family right everyone the delays right. in testing the protocol etc right. Um, right. so please understand that you know we're all in this together we are and we are. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm asking specifically for your patients i yeah. mean the assessment center's been changing. We're now appointment style only. The government put out a, a, a mandate or a directive, I guess, on, on Friday, and we have to work within those directives. And, and, you know, the the people who are looking after the assessment center, very strong group of people, very strong, are working very quickly and very hard over the weekend, evenings, 
to try to make this the best experience that we can for everybody yeah. because nobody likes it. Yeah. And on, on the subject of the assessment center, I, I know that, you know, that came into play, you know, early summer when you set up the, the assessment center. And, and now as we enter the second wave, um, I, I know that you have a much busier assessment day. Yeah. I, I think on Monday it was canceled this week. Um, but, you know, I can see the lineups. They start very, very early in the morning. They do. And, um, you know, I know that you and your team in the hospital are, are working hard to possibly add more days, etc. But, you know, it's all manpower and it's all what you can are able to do. So, you know, tell me how that is going. Um, and uh, I know that you're challenged because from day to day, as it spreads further, um, the ministry has different guidelines. So mm -hmm. as you had just mentioned, so what is the status right now of going to get tested? Well, the status right this moment is it has to be appointment-based testing. So on Friday at 5.30, we had a meeting with the ministry and they, their directive is that it needs to be appointment style. You can't have these long lines and people waiting four hours to get tested. Uh, so we had to cancel Monday, unfortunately, because we were just not able to get things sort of set up in a timely fashion. But what it looks like we're going to be doing is uh, setting up a phone number for people to call to make themselves an appointment. And of course, this will be published on various social media outlets. Um, and you call this number and, and they'll assess whether or not you may need a test and make you an appointment. So the two things that I would suggest is if you think you need a test, please call the number and, and, and ask for the information. And secondly, if you do make yourself an appointment, please go to the appointment because there's only going to be so many appointments. Available. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I guess with this new guideline, um, do you have any idea on sort of how long it takes to get an appointment or is there a backlog of, I would imagine, just like the lineups in cars right. that were in that fashion that you may have to wait a week or two to get your appointment? Uh, that is possible. Right now, the lineup is zero because I don't believe the phone lines are open. Yeah. So, so, but that, that, the assessment center will be starting, my understanding is tomorrow still, just received sort of been in dialogue with the, mm -hmm. the powers that be over at the hospital who are, who are working diligently and, and it looks like it's going to be running tomorrow. Okay. So uh, I believe eight till one, you'll be able to make, make the phone call tomorrow. Um, I don't know that the press release is out yet, but okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and and I, I think this podcast will air on Saturday. So, yes, so will, this will yeah. be over, but, but there'll be a number by Saturday for sure that, uh, okay. that everybody will be able to call. And, and hopefully if you feel like you need an, an appointment, there'll be enough. enough and the appointment everybody. will be obvious any time of the week, I would, or is it just segregated to one day as it was with the previous Monday assessment day? That type of it'll, yeah, it'll be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, okay. and um, and it'll be eight to four still, mm -hmm. and it'll be at the hospital for now, and okay. you'll you'll have an appointment time and you go there, so you won't have to wait four hours right to to get an appointment okay um, or to get tested. Is there any other means in the community to get tested uh, if if you don't want to make the appointment and you happen to have a doctor's appointment planned in your schedule tomorrow and you don't have symptoms and you leave it till tomorrow and you go see your doctor, can you get tested by your doctor? Uh, in general, I think you can get tested by your doctor, but in Physicians are really not doing that procedure, and mostly it's due to the lack of PPE that are in our offices, mm -hmm. along with swabbing. 
The government did designate some pharmacies as that. swabbing centers. Yeah. None of the ones in our community are swabbing centers. Mm -hmm. So if you are asymptomatic for this community, unfortunately right now we don't have a way for you to get swabbed. Mm -hmm. And so that's right. And, and because yeah. without symptoms, you could be walking around asymptomatic 100%. and unfortunately probably spreading. Uh, you, you could be very well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the COVID assessment that, that just changed for appointment only, I, I did see an article coming in about flu shots yeah. and how um, the ministry was, or Simcoe County, I believe it was, coordinating a, a hub or a, a one location for flu shots, not to overwhelm and, and, and reduce sort of walking into the walk-in clinic, getting it from your pharmacist, mm -hmm. getting it from your, your doctor and trying mm -hmm. to sort of manage um, uh, that could you could you talk a little bit more about that, man? Sure. So the flu shots, um, flu shot. Were, the, the physicians have been instructed not to give any flu shots until November second. So that's the first date that you can get that. Uh, not not Simcoe County, but the local community of physicians is organizing a way for everybody who needs a flu shot specifically to get flu shots. Uh, so there's there's people who need flu shots. So those are who are eligible, like over 65 and, and mm -hmm. are at higher risk, going to be trying to, to get them all vaccinated without having to actually go to their doctor's office mm -hmm. to get done. So much like the assessment center, there'll be an appointment. You call a number and you come in. This isn't finalized yet. And by no means is this guaranteed at the moment, but it is something that the local community of physicians is working on. And so... So that's what we want to do. We want to provide a safe environment to administer flu shots with as little contact with other people as possible. Okay. Uh, Especially for that community that might be yeah. a little bit older. Yeah. Um, and, and in the subject of vaccine, uh, and, and I didn't bring up this question with you, but are, are, you, know, you and your, your physician community and at the hospital, are you getting any news on sort of advances on treatment, vaccines, uh, you know, outside of what we're already reading uh, on the internet, the Trump treatment for COVID. Well, he got um, in and out. Yeah, he, he really did. Yeah. yeah. Um, the answer is not really. I mean, there's nothing that I know of that is a definitive treatment for COVID. We definitely don't have an approved vaccine here in Canada, although uh, you do read, you know, positive studies. Trials, but um, yeah. yep, but we don't have anything approved yet. So unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to comment really too, too much on that, except for I know they're working on it and hopefully, okay. hopefully it's soon well, and hopefully it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, are there any advanced treatments of someone who contracts COVID and has to be hospitalized? Have you found out more on, on methods of, of treating someone in the hospital, whether, and I have no knowledge whether it's more oxygen, I don't know yeah. the methods, but yeah. are methods improving to care for people that contract COVID and are in the hospital or? So they are doing a lot of trials at academic centers. I'm not sure there is one particular um, regimen mm -hmm. that is helping anyone more than the other regimen at this point. Mm -hmm. But um, certainly I know there's a lot of trials going yeah. on with that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. trying. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, we're coming to an end here. I don't know, Matt, if there's anything you'd like to say to our listeners. Uh, I'd like to emphasize that, you know, I, 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 I feel like 
you know, and why I wanted to bring you on the podcast was with all the news and negative news we're getting of COVID mm-hmm. and God bless uh, the the residents at Simcoe Manor yeah. and God bless what's yeah. going on there uh, with the outbreak. But it just feels like, you know, the the COVID noose is getting tighter, you know, new tech has been pretty, yeah. uh, you know, it's not downtown Toronto. Yeah. Right. No. Thankfully. And, uh, the cases here, you know, have not been very much. There's been a few, but I sense that it's getting closer. It's around us a little bit more and more. Um, you know, we all have to get through this together, take care of your hygiene, wear a mask, be polite, mm-hmm. be patient. Everybody's going through the same thing. Uh, nobody has an edge on anybody else. And we're going to get through this together. We just got to be patient and get through this together. And I think our community is one of the best communities around. Like We have everything. Here. Well, that's why we live here. Yeah, it's just yeah. the best. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It, it really is the best community around to have... So many physicians in a community of 38,000 people, like, you know, you yeah. came in here at, at the grassroots level. Uh, what has this community done? <laughs> a a yeah. med center downtown, attracting physicians and services like no other community, really. Yeah, we, we do have a lot more <clears throat> services now than we had, you know, in 2011. The Alliston Diagnostic Center is another one. Absolutely, that, uh, yeah. They from came a in. medical perspective, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's really encouraging to see, you know, people sort of following the rules and following the guidelines. Um, and, um, you know, it's really hard to get the information out there yeah. to people uh, because they, you know, are scared. And yeah. they yeah. unfortunately feed off of some things that maybe just aren't true or maybe they are true mm-hmm. and they, they're scared. And so... Um, you know, we just, it, especially in the ER, you know, when I see people, they're scared of, of getting COVID or they're scared of having to come into the hospital with their other thing and, and possibly getting COVID. And, yeah. and we just try to try to understand their, their situation and, and, and treat them like you would want to be treated, I would say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and a shout out to you, uh, Dr. Myatt, I mean, for, you know, when we got shut down um, and everybody's at home you were still at work, you know, I mean, well, uh, to the extent that you could be. Right, and, right. Yeah. But you were definitely jumping into the front lines quickly and it, adapting. It brings up a point, actually. So when COVID first came to Canada, it was March 14th. My birthday. And I was... Turned oh, 60. Oh, geez. 60? I turned 60. Wow, you're it's great, the most uh, memorable birthday ever. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Well, I was in Hawaii. Oh, celebrating yeah, yeah, your yeah. birthday. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I mean, it wasn't much of a vacation. So I left for Hawaii far before that. And then we never expected what happened. Yeah. And we could not get back uh, on a direct flight. We would have had to go to three airports while we were scared. We didn't want to do that. And when I got back, I had to quarantine for two weeks. I could not actually go to work, which was devastating. In fact, yeah. Wow. In fact, I contracted, not contracted, I got shingles from the stress of it, if you can oh, believe it. Oh, man. So, so we quarantined for two weeks at my house. We had some great neighbors. We had some great friends who brought brought stuff by. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness for Zoom and, yeah, and uh, Teams meetings and, 
and and things we were able well i was able to do a lot of administrative work from home yeah so we we yeah so we we survived but that's a I wasn't. I was jumping into the fire, but I couldn't jump because yeah, because yeah. I was squashed at home. <laughs> you, yeah, you just had kindling. That's right, all you that's had exactly that right. But after that, it was fuel to the fire for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. you're in the trenches, and you know, I, I admire and appreciate what you do for this community. And um, you know, everyone, we have just amazing, amazing services, medical services in the community. Um, and as you heard earlier in the podcast. Um, you know, fundraising, supporting, they want to expand. I we mean, need to. we yeah. have to expand. Not, it's not my hospital. It's not the doctor's hospital. It's not the administrator's hospital. It's your hospital. Yeah. And so I, I would impress upon on the listeners that this is in fact true. This is your hospital. This yeah. is not our hospital. Yeah. Um, also my hospital, I live here too. Right. And so if, if you can, if you can donate financially, if you can donate your time, if you have any ideas, please call the foundation. If you see me, you can stop me on the street. I'm happy to listen. Yeah. So Wonderful. Well, that's what this community is all about. So uh, I hope this podcast helped you, um, you know, ease your anxiety a bit. We're all going through the same thing. Um, this gentleman here, chief of ER at the hospital, Stevenson Memorial Hospital, family physician, uh, as well on a, on a short period of time over at uh, the Mill Pond Medical Center. Uh, his advice to you and his knowledge to you that, you know, we're all in this together and, um, you know, clean your hands, hygiene is important, masks, immune system, health, right? Keep that, maximize that where you can so you can be the best that you can be. Any last words, Dr. Mayan? I actually have a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind. Okay. So if, if I was... If I was watching this podcast yes. and I wanted to follow along to more other podcasts, and you didn't preface me with this question, just so you know, <laughs> how would I, how or listening to this podcast, how would I find you? Oh, nice plug. Thank you. you like Appreciate that? It. Yeah. And you didn't, you didn't ask me. I didn't this. write that down. Yeah. I didn't ask yeah. you for uh, any, uh, any sort of plug in there, but mm -hmm. I appreciate it. TNT Weekly, you can find me on all your favorite podcast directories, uh, tntweekly.com on my website. Uh, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how I found you. Okay. Well, there you go. And I know how I found you. <laughs> uh, well, please don't, actually. No. We don't want to see you there. All right. Yeah. I actually have Instagram as well, if you want to follow along. It's at MD. Yeah, and you've so, got some great yeah. postings there. Yeah, we have fun. Yeah. We have some fun up there. Well, you got great, uh, great comrades and associates, uh, all the docs at the hospital. It's a great, great community, okay? Doctor Matt Mike, thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. See you on the next episode. Shake your hand. No, no, one of those. Okay. Now, we're done. We're done. It's fun. It's good. Yeah. It's so easy. It's so easy. It's getting easier.